Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Got a good song for, um, for the pod. Thank you for the days. The Kings. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good song. For the pod. What are the Tears. end? Yeah. In honour of Gatlin. Yeah. Be good, isn't it? Yeah. These fireworks are starting to get on my tits a bit now. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's just like it almost feels like. I know. There's something massively bittersweet about trying to do a rugby podcast. England fan over the back, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, he knows full well. How are you? Gutted, mate. Really? Oh, God almighty. Apologies if you can hear that throughout. Someone is letting off fireworks, which, as Dan said, may be England fans or they may be... They're all taunting us. They're taunting us, living in exile, and uh, just want to rub it in that extra bit. So what it could be, or maybe it's just a little bit of paranoia setting in because it is fireworks night. That's still a week away though, isn't it? Yeah. Feels a bit insensitive, I think. Anyway, welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast. This, yeah, bittersweet, I would say, is how I feel this one's going to be, Dan. There's, there's no bittersweet for me. It's just bitter. Oh, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? It is tough. I, yeah... I'm going to need you to bring me up today. Yeah, you're never... And that's a first. You're not in good nick if you're relying on me to, to bring a bit of optimism and enthusiasm. I, you, know, you know the role that, that I play here. But nonetheless, we're going to crack on. And like we have done the last couple of weeks, we have thrown this over to our listeners to help us shape the direction of the show. So again, we're just going to be answering loads and loads of listeners' questions, which is great for us. And hopefully you enjoy, you know, you enjoy our take on stuff as well. So if you've ever got questions you want us to get stuck into, you can do that by sending us a tweet at Attacking Scrum. Before we get underway, as always, big thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. 
and if you want to get your hands on some top quality coffee you can do that at socoffeetrades.co.uk I've, I've moved house this week Dan so just I just because of this, the result no no before prior to that in the space of so since I last saw you we exchanged on a house and then we completed on a house on the Friday so last when we did the last podcast an awful lot has happened yeah. But none of it feels in any way as hard as uh, as hard as getting over that semi-final defeat. Strange old time for you, really. Then it is really, yeah. Like I said last week, yeah. yeah. Got yeah, we've got baby due any minute, moving house. But still, the thing that is most stressful is watching Wales because it's you're just that much emotionally invested in it, aren't you? I know, I know all of that will change when I have a kid, but it's uh, yeah, you. Yeah, you exhausted. Yeah, yeah, I, I am, but I, you know, I suppose that, I suppose that extra hour helped, didn't it? But uh, anyway, let's let's get into these questions, shall we? Where do we want to begin? Let us start with this one from Guy Poulter. Could we have done much more? I. <laughs> I feel like every question is going to be yeah, preceded by your sons. I don't think really we we could have done a huge amount more into it. I think the effort was was definitely there, wasn't it? We gave it absolutely everything. We got, I think we got sucked into a an out and out battle with them. But how I don't quite see how we could have avoided it. Really, mm. uh, it was a frustrating frustrating game to watch because I think if we could have opened them up. And got got some offloading games and stretched them out wide. They they did look a little bit vulnerable out wide, but we just didn't get any clean ball. They they did a they did a great job on on bullying us, and they they seemed to have more power. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. The couple of times we did get the ball wide caused a couple of problems. Yeah, you know, North was North was set free at one point with that little break from Moriarty and Davis at the back of a scrum, and then you had. Jonathan Davis put Josh Adams in and a couple of forward passes in there. So you did get a bit of joy doing that, but you're absolutely right. The problem was we just, other than Ball, who I thought carried really, really well and has had a massive resurgence for me during this tournament, we didn't really make any yards. We just got hit so hard that we were going backwards and it was the ball was either slow or we were playing behind the game line. So realistically, you are kind of feeding off scraps. But that said... 73 minutes or whatever it was the score was tied yeah we were in it and that that's testament isn't it to the to the squad you think of how many how many injuries we've had as well so we it's we can't be critical i mean we gave everything the fact that we were actually we were in it i think at, at, at you know that point is just testament to the the i suppose the the squad really the one the thing you, staff and the one else. thing you can't fault is the mentality and the character of these players because I don't think we've played particularly fluid. We've said this a number of times. Haven't really strung together 80 minutes throughout the entire tournament. Yet, we came within three points of making a World Cup final. So, it's a very, very difficult thing because everything was there. I think the injuries played a big part today. That's not an excuse. But, yeah, lost Thomas Francis in the first half. Lost George North. Lost Liam in the week. John Fox has just come back. Hadley Park's held together with mask and tape. And prior to the tournament, you've lost 
Falatau, Ellis Jenkins, Gareth Anscombe, and you lost Navidi during it. That's an awful lot. I know we've got much better strength in depth. And then, that, there, there's that sprinkling of class in there that there you is. just think, a yeah. day like today, maybe Toby would have made the difference. Or You see what well, I mean? We would have backed, yeah. I mean, any, I think any of the... You know, we have built depth, but because of the, it's the quality players that, w- that have been taken out... That would, that would affect any side. I think it would definitely affect England even, that have got you know player after player after player. They lose seven or eight of their top mm. boys. They're going to be affected. And we've done a brilliant job, but it's just, it's hard to take because we could have won it. Yeah. I do I think, agree. you know, that's the hard thing, isn't it? I do think South Africa deserved the win they, with the game plan they played. It was, it was brutal. Mm. I mean, they played next to no rugby. Every time they got the ball, they punted it. And you know Pollard just put it up in the air. A lot of the kicks. Or, or the, if it got to Pollard, if it got to Pollard, the yeah, fact, was, yeah, the he put him up. We, we didn't seem to get any of the bounces either. It just nothing quite went our way, and you do need that little bit of luck. And I was thinking, it isn't gonna. It's just not coming. It's probably not going to be our day. And I, I never felt it was going to be our day today. However, that's that's just a gut feeling. But did you get that little feeling though when, I it, did. when we came back into it? Maybe. And maybe. then you thought, hang on a minute, is it gonna? But the other thing is, to go back to the question, could we have done much more? The, the turning point, well, not, not necessarily the turning point, but the one element within that game where I think we could have done something different, really, was the drop goal from Reese Patchell. I think we should have done that earlier on in the... We had phase after phase and we got pushed back. We basically went from being just outside the 22 to being 35, 40 metres out. And obviously we got the ball back from that in a good position. However, that is the point. And I think once that, if he was able to execute a drop goal from there, that changes things. Suddenly, South Africa might start to panic a bit and he's trying to force it a little bit. You get the odd knock on. And that's where, that's where, that's the one thing I think could have been done differently because for people saying, oh, we kick it too much or we, we should have gone wider earlier on. You're right. You hit the nail on the head. You are going to struggle if you can't get over the game line. And we did, but we were still in the game. That was the pivotal moment for me. Yeah, I mean, it's a game with, you know, Patchell, you think how well he's done during this tournament and he hasn't played a huge amount of rugby, has he? And I think a massive part of, you could look at today, couldn't you, and think, look, if we'd, if we'd played a bit more, you see, I think it's, you can slip into if we played a bit more rugby, we know that mm. we were allowed to play rugby, but I think throughout the tour, if we look at the tournament as a whole as well, we, we lost Anscombe. Yeah. And, and we built, we, we changed our game plan around and it was all built around Anscombe, and then we had to revert back yeah. to a different game. So, again, how well have we done? Yeah, I, th- I think we'll definitely come back and talk about that because there's a lot of people who've kind of talked about who've talked about kicking and stuff like that. So, I want to come on and talk about that in a moment. This one's from Gareth Davis, not that one. Would a Welsh team with Webb have behaved differently? Would he have been the injection to get us to the final? There's a lot of people talking about Webb at the moment. I, I noticed a lot of it on Twitter. If I'm honest, I'm, I'm just going to answer this one straight up. I don't think that was the difference. I think that Gareth Davis, the scrum half, not the question master here, he had probably his weakest game of the tournament. He's had an exceptionally good World Cup, fantastic against Australia, and I think he's been really good throughout the World Cup. was quiet today because the ball was so slow. I thought Thomas Williams added some... Definitely added some injection. But Scrum Half, you, you would struggle to find a bigger web fan than me. But for all of his brilliance, 
I think Wentworth have found it tough going today yeah. behind behind that. So yeah, any 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 night would you know Gareth Edwards would have. It's, yeah. We were going back at a rate of knots, weren't we? And it's a difficult game for him to for him to for Gareth to you know to shine mm. in. I think he did. He did what he does. And yeah, I agree with you that I don't think Reese Webb would have made would have made the difference for all of those for all those areas where we could have used that sprinkling more experience or class. I think it's in. I think it's. I think we missed Toby today more than we did someone like Reese Webb, just because, like we always say, that bit of footwork he uses to buy you a yard, that makes a difference. Because in a game where it's very very hard to get over the game line, he might just do that one thing that someone drops a tackle and he gets through, or he just, he's able to, to draw in two defenders and we're able to pick and go and get that bit quicker. So I think of all those players who are missing for whatever reason, Toby's the one I would have looked at today. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah, there's no doubt that the, the biggest loss would be would be Toby. And then you look at you know Navidi as well. How often have we said there were a different side now without him and we, we, struggled. we struggled for ball carriers really all tournament but mm. we got away with it but against against South Africa today yeah. they were the absolute beasts we really struggled and yeah Jake Ball made some inroads but apart and Moriarty did fairly late on to be fair to him I thought that he said a, I thought Moriarty had a he, great game he actually. did he had a very impressive game but we were we, we struggled and it's again they're much bigger that, yeah that, absolutely and that back row is just phenomenal the, the, the back row that they have when you're able to bring Francois Lowe off the bench yeah he, that he was up to all sorts when he came on and the dark arts were there and they, yeah, they did a great job of slowing any ball down for yeah. us as well I thought it, yeah. it, probably legally really but well yeah. it's, it's, it's only illegal if you get pinged for it isn't it really let's stick with the bench which we've just kind of touched on there this one is from our good mate Kai Griffiths over at London Welsh former Ospreys prop of course if we had more experienced props to come off the bench would it have made a difference that's an interesting one Again, I thought, they, I thought they went well, actually. I, I know that you could point the finger at perhaps Dylan Lewis for Alan Wynne-Jones getting isolated for that penalty, which took us out of there and half, or maybe, I think it might have been Reese Carrier gave away the penalty at the end. It's got a quick... His whistle went quite quickly, I thought, didn't he, though? I mean, it, it, was, it was back with us, wasn't mm. it? I thought that I, I got him. I think the penalties were harsh. I, I really do. What, what's your take on those? I mean, well, yeah, I, actually, I, it's interesting you hear that because I'm never shy of having a moan about the ref. I felt like if it was the other way around, I probably wouldn't have moaned about it too much. There was a bit, there was a bit of him from the side, but then we also picked up some penalties because because they were they were, they were coming in from the side. Don't know. I, I don't know whether it's maybe because it's you, so you know, tight. They were. Yeah. It just seemed they weren't clear cut, and you see so many of those types of things that you think, oh, that's a fifty-fifty. Yeah, you know. It went against us. It just seemed it just seemed harsh when we were under the under the pump. I suppose all all game. I I, I thought particularly where um, where Reese Carey tripped up over their boy who'd fallen over. This is the decisive penalty. Yeah, yeah. And then and then Dylan had uh, was accused of coming in mm. from the side where he I, for me he was at the back mm. and then he slipped he, he sort of slipped and and, and rolled around. Yeah. But no. He sort of pirouetted, but that was that was all that wasn't engineered by him. That mm. was that was just happening, and I think a little bit of empathy with the game maybe could have seen a different decision. I thought that was really harsh again, mm. but it's fine fine margins, isn't it? Especially when the points <laughs> were, yeah. were, when it was level pegging. Yeah, exactly. Let's go back to the the point about experienced props coming off the yeah. bench. Would that have made a difference? I think I, I think it would have made a difference if you bring on 
Adam Jones. I, I'm not too sure that perhaps bring it. I, I don't know. You know, let's, if we're talking about experienced props, what experienced props would would be available to Wales? Well, it's Rob Evans and and Samson Lee. Yeah, I, I feel, felt that the, the the young boys did a very did a very good job coming off the bench. I think scrummaging wise, we did we did well really. Um, we did we did pretty well, and I guess would an experienced with the experienced front rowers like Rob Evans or Samson Lee given away? Would they have given away those penalties? I I think they were they were so fifty fifty that yeah mm. they could they could have given them away. So I. I don't think really they, that if Rob Evans or Samson Lee had been there, it would have been, it would have been a massive difference. Personally, I mean they're both seasoned international props. Samson is straight. They, the problem is they. I don't think that they were. What what was the not the excuse, but the reason that Gatlin said was it was the the injuries or the durability the du- or something. You don't like think that. he thought so, they would be able to go the distance? Yeah. They were. They may get through one game, but they wouldn't be able to get through the training, get through you know game after game. So it was a huge call to to, to, to leave them. And you also think with that experience, do we see more composure? Does the drop goal, you know? I thought props taking drop goals here again, unless it's Adam Jones. No, but the the whole collective. I mean, everyone just buying that extra bit of time, that extra bit. Well, they seem to think. Yeah, they seem to think that. They're, they're, what is, whatever that number is, it's like 700 caps in your team or something, isn't it? They, they seem to think is the, the right number. I, I can't remember 700, mm. 800, something like that. But there is a certain level of experience that people think is the, the optimum level. And it, it does make a difference in those big games. But that said, I, I thought both of them had positive impacts off the bench. I don't really think that that's necessary where the, the game was won and lost. When you lose a scrummaging tight head like Tom Francis in the first half, I think that makes a difference. But fortunately, there probably wasn't as many scrums when he went off as there were before that. So, I don't know. I, I think, again, it, it was more about not having ball carries and people to get over the game line that, that I think hits us off the, the bench. And just the sheer depth and the sheer number of injuries, that's, that's my thought on it. Let's go to this one from Lionel VC. He asks, is it time to bin the kicking game? It simply doesn't work, does it? I think we need... Well, we didn't kick, I mean, in relation to today or just just generally? I I think it's safe to say we played a kicking game throughout this tournament. We have. And I'd say we did again today. We we kicked the ball a hell of a lot. I don't know what the stats are, but I believe there was there was more kicks than there were minutes in the game, and we did that. I know South Africa are doing a hell of a lot of that, but but because their defense their defensive line was rock solid, we I don't think we could we there wasn't a case that we could play our way up the park from we needed. Set piece moves, which we would have caused them. Trouble. And I thought they, I thought they did. And well. we did. We scored off. They scored off a scrum. Yeah, we we did, and, yeah. and and I think if we'd had more of those, we would have. Considering the scrum was going backwards mm. as well, we did. You know, we did so well to to engineer that. I think if we'd had more of those, we would have scored more tries from the set piece. I think you know from them kicking the ball back to us, and then us trying to run the length against that, we just would have got pinged. 
we would have lost turnovers would occur and penalties and so we had to kick the ball back I know it's frustrating because we're watching it going ah I, but did, I didn't feel that so much today. every time we had the ball I thought kick it I'm not going to lie look at the, the opportunities that we had right there's one where Dan Bigger chases I don't think it was his own kick this time I think he chased one of half penny's kicks and he caught it and yeah. all of a sudden it changes the momentum start the second half you had Faf de Klerk knocks one on really straightforward yeah, kick he did. Uh, Willie LaRue does the same thing I think they, they mentioned it briefly on the there was something with the lights because yeah. Moriarty did something similar at that, at that point uh, that, that position in the pitch so really like the kicking game I don't think was the reason why we didn't we didn't win this today I keep coming back to it it was about a lack of power I think yeah. today really we, yeah we struggled we struggled on the game line didn't we we, were, we didn't have the physicality we were physical we were as physical as we could have been but just wasn't enough unfortunately no, I don't, I don't think it was. But having variety, I think, is is different. And like you said, losing Anderson in the lead-up to the tournament, when he has been the the player who has been undoubted first pick since the Six Nations, he cemented that yeah. role as his own, and then Bigger coming on to tighten things up. Yeah, Bigger, Bigger's done a, a brilliant job this campaign, isn't it? We, kn- we knew the moment that... That Anscombe was out, that this was going to be a different, mm. a different Welsh side now, because everything's been geared up around him, and and it rung true. It was he's got the backs moving, he's been a real threat, and he's also worked really well with the the forwards, particularly in the in the back row. That had to change, mm. so we adapted really quickly. We did there, we did see a versatility, but it meant that we were going back to a game a game plan that we, we kind of moved away from, but we executed it really well during, yeah, I agree. during, you know, during this campaign. So, bigger... You know, we've lost one game in this, and it's a semi-final, yeah. and it was by three points we've, in 72 minutes. Yeah, it's easy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, you know I'm, you know, I'm not in a, you know, I'm sort of, you know, not, not, the, not the happiest of chaps mm. today, but really, you've got nothing to be unhappy about. It, it's been a wonderful campaign. Yeah, I think it has in terms of... It's not been the, perhaps the prettiest on the eye, but it's certainly had its moments. And for drama, you can't... That comeback against France, the win against Australia, holding on, comeback against Fiji, there's been some magnificent moments in there. And I think we... I, I absolutely agree. I think we had to play the kicking game because that's the, the tools that we have around us. And it's... When, it, when you win, you don't mind... It's effective and it's functional, but when you lose, it feels, oh, we kicked the ball too much. We kicked the ball too much. I don't think that was the case there. I think that had to, I think you had to play that way when you're not when you're not getting any joy. And Patchell, I thought, acquitted himself very well when he came on. He's had a good he's had a good campaign in my eyes, but he needed to rediscover that form. Problem was, he wouldn't have gone. He wouldn't have been on the plane if Anskin was fit. So it was too much to ask at that late stage for him to come in and be the starting 10 and all the plays to run through him. You know, really, it wasn't until that, was it the second or the first, the first game against Ireland in the pre-World Cup warm-up games, it wasn't until that game that he, he kind of took the place as the second choice. So it would have been too much to bring him in as a playmaker and have Bigger come off the bench. So I think that that and that Anscombe injury has had a massive impact in terms of the way we play. And I also, think that would have added just that, that he stands that bit flatter and passes that bit yeah. that bit more. But yeah. that, that doesn't necessarily mean we would have got any further. It just means there's a different dimension to it. Yeah, I think they would have... 
Patrick played well when he came on, and then it does make you think, well, if he started, would we have been able to unlock them? I don't think we would have, and I really think they would have targeted the channel, the 10 channel, heavily because of his defence. When Patchell tackles, they tend, we, the other side tend to gain a lot of yards because he tackles, but mm. he goes back a long way. So, and to be fair, Bigger, who is not a mug in defence, we saw last week Vakatawa making it over the gain line on a, you know, one particularly memorable occasion. Dillande had a Dillande, bit of joy there today. He did. I feel sorry for, for Tampa because he'll be, you know that he'll, that'll be going over, you know, over and over in his head. It's, it's, it just will be. It, yeah, it's going to be, he'll be struggling to sleep tonight, but he, he just needs to move on from that, doesn't he? He had a great, great tournament. Yeah, he did, and he's a test match animal, isn't he? We say we say that before. I, I wouldn't be in a in a rush to condemn him to the oh, no, to the to the bin. So, you know that that kind of that kind of experience. We're talking about experience and big match mentality. Well, bigger has got that in absolute abundance. This actually isn't one from any of the listeners. We're just going to end the first half with this question, though. Looking ahead, you often have at the end of World Cup campaigns a lot of players retiring. We've seen the Ireland side and Rory Best go. I would expect a load more of that side to to hang up the boots. You know, maybe the Kearneys and possibly even Omani. You know, those kind of mm. uh, those kind of players. When it comes to the end of a World Cup side, you expect a lot of players to go. I don't actually see many of these players hanging up their their international boots. Do you? I really hope not. Uh, it. I wonder whether, with the changing of the guard, mm. you know, the, the coaching team seems to be sort of a group of twenty, I think, isn't it? Or so, with all the you know, with all the analysts and everyone else in there, whether whether any of them will step down with them. I think it must be so difficult, though. I'm talking about the players here, Dan. Not yeah, the, no, I mean the players. Yeah. Whether whether they'll they'll step down yeah. alongside the coaching set because it's 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 an end of it's the end of an era, isn't it? I guess if you if you can carry on, you'd you'd want to carry on, wouldn't you? And doesn't it certainly seems like I mean the most obvious person was, I guess would be Alan Jones, but he's got he's not going anytime soon. I don't see. He, he, he I can't see him wanting to. I can't see him going after after this. He'll want he'll want to carry on, and he'd never reveal targets in his head, in, you know, to the media. But I would reckon in his head he's targeting one more Lions tour, and he's still playing. Well, he's playing the best rugby. Of his of his career, so yeah, we'll, we'll 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 carry on. I could see a few players in the squad not necessarily making it to the next World Cup. I could see possibly in a couple of years' time, perhaps Hadley Parks being moved on for some younger some younger talent. Yeah. Might be, I think it might be a stretch for half penny, just given his his injury record. I don't mean you, you don't know. He's, he's so durable, but how, how much longer can that go on? But I think all of those players. The way they acquitted themselves during the the World Cup and obviously before, they have the right to go on their own terms. So I don't see I don't see any of them in a hurry to say, right, I'm I'm gonna try and prolong my club career. I think they'll make themselves available for selection for Six Nations, the whole of the thirty one at the moment. Yeah, I really hope that happens because we've got a a nice mix at the moment, haven't we, between youth and, and experience. So I think the longer the the experienced guys can can stay in and around the squad for it'll just to, it'll really help with the the young the young guys that are, that are coming through and there's a lot of them 
There are. And we are going to look forward and try and pick out a few of those young talents and a few reasons to be cheerful heading towards Six Nations and looking ahead rather than just wallowing in self-pity, which is what I've been doing most of today. And we're going to be doing all of that in the second half. So make sure you join us for that. But first, here's a quick break. This is Nicky Smith. You're listening to Attack and Scrum, sponsored by So Coffee Trades. Right, Dan, we've still got a fair amount of questions to get through. And as I mentioned just before the break, we want to have a look to the future and see what that's got in store for us also. So let's have a look at this one. This comes from Ricky Ford. What will Pivac have to change to get us to the next level? And this sparked quite an interesting little debate on Twitter with a few people suggesting that perhaps Pivac doesn't have what it takes to get us to the next level. So I usually have a look at the questions as well beforehand, but I just couldn't, I couldn't face looking at couldn't them. Bring to, I looked at yeah. the first two and then I, I thought, no, I can't look anymore. To, I'm just going to, it was a good, yeah, I, it was, a, I was checking the questions, but generally it was a good day to avoid social media. I don't need any, any reminder that we're out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, to go to the next level, I think we're, we're at a level that is, that is, that we're punching above our weight, aren't we? We really are. So we're at a level which is which is which is wonderful, really, for you know for Wales, I think. So I think the biggest thing for Pivak is that he's going he's going to have he's going to change probably change the way in which Wales Wales play. The key thing is going to be whether or not whether or not we can whether or not we're good enough then to to play the way in which he wants to play at an international level because it's probably going to be higher risk. Obviously, oh, it's high, undoubtedly higher high risk. High risk, high reward, but it's, a, it's going to be a massive ask for, for, him, for, for him coming in, isn't it? Huge, huge challenge. It is, and this actually was a, another comment slash question that we had coming in into the... Sticking with that with that Wayne Pivak um, thread, let me just find it here. Hmm. Struggling to find it there. I was genuinely going to use this as an analogy anyway. It's a bit like David Moyes taking over after Sir Alex Ferguson because you've had years and years of stability yeah. and things being done a certain way and a huge amount of success. It is a very tough order to follow that. Do you think we need? Do you think we need to expect a that we're going to go backwards at maybe not at a rate of knots, but we're going to there's going to there's bound to be a transition period, and it, I think it could it, it it could well be painful. Yeah, I think I, I think there is, and I've just found it credit to Ben House for uh, for for that analogy. I genuinely did open my head beforehand anyway, but he clearly great minds think alike, Ben. So just, just to go to his question though, are you excited by and confident there'll be progression under Pivac or are we about to see the rugby equivalent of David Moyes taking over from Ferguson? It's so, it's so, so tough. I, I couldn't say I'm confident at the moment because I think for anyone to follow it, it'd be very, very difficult. The other thing is that he's untried at this level. It's not as though we are bringing in Joe Schmidt, Jamie Joseph, Robbie Deans, you know, someone who has a proven or has, has coached a high-level international rugby. 
He's done a very good job, I would say, at Scarlet's. And now it's about making that step up. The problem is, using that same analogy, David Moyes did a very good job at Everton and couldn't make that step up. So the main thing is I think it'll be a lot more entertaining than watching Man United was under David Moyes. I think that he will come in and try and play a much more attacking and expansive brand of rugby. We saw the, the way he likes to do that at, uh, at Scarlet's. Things he's got in his favour, I know Steve Hansen is a big, is a big advocate of, of Wayne Pivak and a firm believer in what he's capable of doing. And you know, I'm sure he's a, he's a pretty hard taskmaster and a hard guy to, to earn the approval of. So I'm by no means writing Pivak off, but he's got a very, very tall order to, to take over from... We are used to, we're used to seeing success now. Yeah, we are. I mean, I, mean the, I guess the exciting thing moving forward is that we've... I think we're more, we are a more attacking side than, than sometimes we give ourselves credit for. We have, you know, scoring tries off, off set pieces mm. is not something that we've been known for over the, you know, over the 10, you know, the last 10 years, but we see more and more of it. We're pretty dangerous. We're dangerous out wide. Obviously, a lot of this goes hand in hand with Anscombe and getting him to, to a, a level of fitness where he can actually you know, properly run a game. Because you would expect Pivak to come in and go, right, Anscombe has proven that he's a capable, or more than capable international 10. He's capable of bossing games oh, at yeah. 10. He, he's going to be a red-hot favourite when he's fit again to be Wales' starting 10, you'd imagine. Yeah. And that's no disrespect to Dan Bigger whatsoever. I just think it's the style of play. Bigger will be in that squad. But you, when everyone's fit again, you've got three very good, very different options. Yeah. And Patchell, he knows incredibly well because he's he, he was his starting ten for a long a long period of time at, at Scarlets. Yeah. yeah, he does, and it's a t- it's a tough ask, but a lot of you do need change, don't you? I just think it's <laughs> it's so difficult to think that how can we. How can we kick on? Because mm. Gatland is, you know, he is the very best, isn't he? Oh yeah. With with the resources he's got, he's made us into a, a an unbelievably difficult side, difficult side to beat. And we have scored some wonderful tries over the. You know, you look back at the tries; they're a lot of them are outstanding. You forget how creative we have been. I know we played very direct at times as well, but that's because we've had to. So, I think Wales are in a good place. It, it's it's going to be a massive challenge for Pivak, but he's got to be excited about going into this as well. Along with Stephen Jones coming in at this period, is probably going to be a big help because I he's think had Steve that Jones a, is a big help. Yeah, he's had that. Uh, he's had that time now, isn't he? With the, with the guys, so that transition hopefully will be a little a little bit smoother, and a lot of the younger guys are probably going to be able to adapt a little bit quicker to change than some of the more established ones that will, because we all get stuck in our ways. I think the other thing that Steve Jones will be able to help with, and we know he's, you know, he's rated pretty highly as, a, as an attack coach, and again, evidence of what Scarlets were able to do when they were playing their best rugby should be very encouraging in that regard. But the other thing I think will help is, one, he's been in that dressing room now, he knows a lot of those players and a lot of the big names in there. He knows them very well, even through coaching at Scarlet's. Players like Alan Wynne-Jones and Bigger would have been in the same squad as him. Halfpenny would have been in the same squad in 2011. So he's probably got a very good relationship yeah. with those. And the other thing is, you, the major thing, cast your mind back to when Gatlin took over. And the previous two coaches had been, by all accounts, undermined by player power in the dressing room. Those coaches in... Ruddock and Gareth Jenkins 
did not have full control of that dressing room. And Stephen Jones was in both of those sides. And according to, you know, a few accounts in, in a few different biographies, Adam Jones names it in his, that, that Stephen Jones was actually one of those who was quite critical of Ruddock when he was in charge. And I think Steve Jones will understand how important it is to have a united dressing room. And that's what we've had under Gatland. That's why we've been competitive in the biggest games is because he runs a very, very tight ship. And we're going to have to replicate, have to replicate that in a different way. You know, maybe Pivak's more of an arm around the shoulder coach. I don't know how he operates, but what he's got to do is he's got to create a dressing room that has that same sense of belief that the Gatland one did. Yeah, yeah it's a very good point. I think Stephen Jones will be the... Is going to be so key to this. Mm. Maybe, maybe the key component because if we uh, under under uh, Gatland, Sean Edwards has on uh, well, all well apparently his his man management, the individual man management of the players is mm. exceptional. You know, he gives off this hard exterior, but he is a softy as well, and he just knows how to get the most out of the players. Gatland's making the massive headline calls. Mm. So, if we look at Stephen Jones, we're going to need. We're going to need that sort of Wales. I think always needs that arm around. You know, we need someone that's going to really understand the players, understand the heritage, or everything else that goes with it. But also not be afraid to make a make a hard, you know, a hard call. I think all the players in the Welsh side as well. They really respect Sean Edwards, mm. and I think every single one of them to a man will respect Stephen Jones. Mm. It doesn't seem to be anyone that has a bad word about him. Whereas you know, you know, Pivak. Because he's because he's not tried and tested, it, it, it it's it's a little bit easier to say, I'm I'm really fearful. So I think Stephen Jones, there's gonna yeah. be a, there's gonna be a, a lot of weight on him to actually, you know, hopefully make this this you know this new Welsh setup succeed. And when Gallen took over, he came into that dressing room. I mean, it's it's mad to think it's twelve years ago now, but he came into that dressing room with a huge amount of silverware. He'd won stuff wherever he'd been really you know premiership titles were wasps european cups were wasps uh, he'd won domestic honors in new zealand he'd, he'd, he'd overseen a big transitional stage with the irish side and took ireland from being hopeless really you know a side that was thumped routinely to being incredibly competitive with some of the best sides in the world he was he, i think he did a hugely underrated job but i know maybe ireland fans disagree and I think they do, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe now they're able to look back a bit and, and realise yeah. that, that what he did, but the results kind of speak for themselves. Pivak doesn't have that, really. He has he, he brings a certain amount of silverware in, in the league title that he won at Scarlet's, but this is going to be a massive step up for him. And the more figures you can have around there who are able to make that transition easy is... is or, yeah, not necessarily easy, but... Easier, yeah. I think he's going to make a big difference. Yeah, there's something very, very reassuring, isn't there, about having Stephen Jones there? I, I like, I really like the fact that he's there. Yeah, I do, I do. I, I liked him a lot as a player, and he was a reassuring presence on the pitch, and I think he, he can do that. Yeah, he he's going to, he's well. going to, yeah, I, I really think he'll be that reassuring presence off it as well. All right, let us have a little bit of a, a look back over Gatlin's period. In charge. I know it ends officially next week, and we'll we'll talk about it on next week's pod after the uh, the third fourth place playoff. But this really is the end in terms of the 
you know, we can't win a World Cup from here. So it's his last real competitive game inside. This question is coming from Morgan Ball. Is this team better than the 2011 side? For me, this is the best team I've seen in my lifetime. Brackets, 22 years old, and we've become very difficult to beat. I went straight back to him and said, "And said, God, you missed the years we were crap." Because <laughs> yeah, when I was uh, yeah when I was 22 years old, I think we'd uh, I think we'd just gone out to Fiji. So it's uh, yeah, it's a much better time to be a Wales fan. Is this team better than 2011, Dan? It's different, isn't it? Mm. It's a different, it's a different game now, really. I think the squad, the players we've got, and this this World Cup shows it. Really, we lose we lose so many players, yet we're still super competitive. There's no way that would have happened going back, mm. going back a number of years. So yeah, I do think that this squad is the is probably the best. How you define best? You know, is it the most talented? In terms of out-and-out rugby, I don't know. But the way in which they're drilled, they're coached, their mentality, you're big on you know, the mentality of the mm. squad. That is what is so impressive. The, 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 the boys know how to win. And that's something that, that we haven't known how to do, really, in, 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 in a Welsh shirt over many, many years, is win those games. Quite often, in games, we've played the better rugby, but we've just lost. You know, it was like... It was like, you know, we've, we've become a little bit like, you know, the Man United, you always like a, a, a football analogy, but they, they, they were winning games. They mm. had no right, you know, quite often no right to win, really, and they just win and, and get over the line. And that's what we've, that's what we've been able to do. And it's a sign of a good side. So, uh, yeah. I think you could, yeah, you're right. Best is so subjective because the, I think that 2011 side, what it had was that sprinkling of magic. And I think particularly Shane was we played a very structured game, very physical. Our fitness level, while I'm not suggesting it's better than this side is now, I think it looked bigger because there was a bigger gap between well, the other sides. Between the other sides. And that was a massive improvement. But having Shane in there was just this bit of magic in the back line that he could, he could pull anything out. You knew he'd finish any chance he got, but then he was also just capable of creating something out of nothing because he's yeah we and he was a one in a million yeah, player we're not, we're not going to see a player like that yeah. you know he was he's a complete one off but that 2011 side did lose to South Africa in the pools you know they, they played f- fantastically well in that game but they did narrowly lose to, to South Africa in the pools whereas actually we didn't lose a game this time around and that big crunch pool game that we had against Australia we won so oh, it's just it's so difficult to, to compare. And it's very easy to look at that side on paper. That, that 2011 side had Gethin Jenkins, Adam Jones, Sam Warburton, obviously Alan Wynn, Charteris, Toby, Lydiot, Mike Phillips, Jamie Roberts, and then younger versions of, of John Fox and Halfpenny and George North and Shane yeah. Williams. I mean, that is phenomenal on paper. However, who's to say that we won't be looking back in four years' time and saying, you know, Josh Navidi is in that, is in that same mould. We won't be saying Aaron Wainwright's one of the best flankers that we've ever seen for, for Wales. We won't be saying those, those same things. We won't be, able, we won't be saying that, do you know what, Rhys Carey is going to go on and be a, an all-time Wales great. Because what Gas did in 2011 is he threw in some youngsters, particularly that back row, who were untested, and they went out and they, they, what's the word I'm looking for? They imposed themselves on the, on the world scale. So 
It's very, very difficult. The, the, the two sides are comparable. Ultimately, they both came up short in the semi-final. So, I don't know. I think they're, they're on a par for me. I think the, this side is a tougher team than 2011. But 2011 probably had that sprinkling more class throughout Stardust. of Stardust. But again, like we say, we're right now we're without Toby and without Liam Williams for this game and without... Yeah, we've got a Anscombe and Alice Jenkins and a few others. We definitely, we definitely got a mental toughness now that we haven't seen, yeah. and we're a, we're a hard, a hard side to, to, to beat, and, and and yeah, it's it's how how we define best, best really, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm not sure. I you know, it's ultimately I think best is about what your results are, and really. We the the results are very, very similar. They're both good. they're both semi-finals, aren't they? And and agonisingly, agonisingly close. We'll rattle through a few more of these, Dan. So this one's just come in from uh, Gary Mason. You may have already recorded. We're recording right now. Uh, I'm not sure, but the reason Gats placed Anscombe above bigger was today. We, we kind of touched on that already. The reason that Gats was was leaning towards Anscombe was that different dimension. And I, I think it's I think it's very harsh to pick out bigger and say it's his fault because I think he's such a tough individual and he did, he had such a huge impact to a twenty three, but I do think or I would rephrase it and say we missed Anscombe in a game like today. Yeah, I think we missed Anscombe throughout the tournament. Mm. I think today most tens would have been would have been yeah. would have been struggling because I watched the game back. Because I watched it in the Alex in Wimbledon, which was a tough watch, with you know it being basically South Africa. Yeah. <sighs> For anyone not aware of the yeah the jug- Southwest London has a massive South African expat community, so you would yeah you'd be hard pressed yeah. to find uh, the great pub as you yeah, know. It is it's a, a brilliant pub. Yeah. yeah, they were they were vocal. Um, uh, yeah, we missed Anscombe throughout the tournament. I think today we would have it would have been difficult with any with any 10 and looking back at the game it was just the, the sort of clean ball we 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 only had probably clean ball on three occasions so it was so limited mm. it was such a such a strange game really I, it wasn't it wasn't a great one for if you're a fan of uh, if you're just watching rugby and you've just tuned in you're probably thinking what on earth is this it was still enjoyable to us, probably because it was an out-and-out battle. But there was there was no offloading. We couldn't get we couldn't get anything going, and they just suffocated and strangled yeah. the game. And they they did that really effectively and just brought that wall. So I actually don't think today Anscombe would have made that much of a difference. But throughout the tournament, yeah, undoubtedly he would. Yeah, I think that's a great shout. It's. Yeah, today today was a tough one. Do you know, some of the best analysis I've seen on this, it kind of comes back. I my wife, who as you know has very little interest in rugby, watched the, watched the game this morning and she watched uh, some of the Japan game earlier in the the tournament. And I asked her just flippantly, I said, you know, what would you say if you were on the podcast tonight? And she said, wouldn't it be great to see Wales play a bit more like Japan? And it'd be much more exciting because today wasn't much of a spectacle. And it's a really interesting one because, do you know what? I would love to see just that, what they did so well. Is it Because we're not asking to play like New Zealand or to play like Australia, somewhere that's, that's got a mass, you know, massive amounts more no decision saying, player yeah. base. Well, we'll have to come on and talk about England in a minute. But 
is you know somewhere that hasn't got a massive amount more player base. But what they've done with limited resources is play an incredibly exciting brand of rugby that suits the, I guess the the physical dimensions that they have in the backs. If someone like Jamie Joseph was in charge of the Wales side, would we be able to put together a side that's that's as exciting and, and captures the imagination as much as you know Ork and Pivak do that? You, you know, do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Japan they so they stretched they stretched South Africa, didn't they, from left to right, mm. and they did make they they made inroads, didn't mm. they? Not not it was a yeah. I, they just, I think, South Africa today knew like what we were gonna. They knew what they had to do to win, didn't they? And they just did it. And they they knew it was gonna be boring, but they just kept on sticking. You know, even after at the end of the game, mm. why were they still kicking the ball away? They just needed to hold on to it. But up they went. You know, two poor kicks really. They managed to regather the ball twice, didn't they? They got every every single bounce and in the key decisions. I think they got them as well. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think. The biggest thing for us is the lack of the lack of ball the lack of ball carriers today really affected us. So if if we had players that just and it probably only would have been two more players like mm. your Tobies, as you said, with a quick footwork. He's not a huge guy, but yeah. he's quick upstairs and he just makes those steps. And, and he makes I say this all the time, but he makes the hard yards, doesn't he? He, he makes he makes yeah, two yards, yards when you need. Yeah, he makes two yeah. yards when you really need it. When you really, yeah, and same with Navidi as well. That then means the tipper it can, you know, can get a step in, and then there's an offload coming, and we just couldn't get any of that going. It was just backwards, backwards the whole time. So uh, I think if we had played it a little bit like like Japan, I, I just think I I don't know. It's a hard one. Do you think? Do you think though that okay, maybe maybe not the Japan analogy, but. When Pivac comes in, we're going to see a completely different style of play from these Welsh. We don't offload a great deal. We play a very... And it, it has served us incredibly well throughout this time. I'm not going to mention the the expression beginning with Warren and ending in ball there. I've done it. But I personally don't have a huge amount of gripes because we've used that to great effect over the years. Now, when Pivac comes in, he has got an opportunity to rip up the rule book and go, right, this is how we want to play. I guess a style of play that is more fitting with that the historic Welsh style of play of throwing the ball around and being much more exciting. Is it something to be excited by? Is it something to be wary of? Can we expect that? Maybe we can expect it, but I think it hasn't it been hugely exciting over the over Warren Gatlin's reign with all the wins we've had, the success. It's been absolutely brilliant being a Welsh fan during, the, during yeah, his time. I agree, it's been brilliant. And I just think he's... Warren Gatland, you look at all the sides that he's coached, he he plays to the strengths of, to the, strength of the sides, or you could say he looks at the weaknesses of the sides and then devises a strategy around in that. Now, if we're going to throw the ball around mm. left, right and centre, we will probably get some, some, some excellent wins, but we won't be able to build... You know, string twenty-two wins together, or that sort of of that become that sort of side. Then that we are right now, yeah. and and that's how I think you get that mentality. Is that you have to keep it tight at times. You have to play a little bit boring. You're going to get criticised, but he's gone. Do you know what? Doesn't matter about that, guys. We keep on winning, and that's why we've become during this World Cup a really difficult side to beat with players that are probably playing. 
better rugby than mm. they're capable of, really, because he's getting them to that extra 10, 20%. That's what he's done so well, is, is forge a team unit that... I mean, if you look at Wales before Gatlin, right, we'd have been on hammerings after... In Gatlin's 12 years, I can think of very few hammerings that we've, that yeah. we've had. You know, the odd one against New Zealand, particularly, you know, away. I think in 2010, we went over there with a load of injuries, got hammered. There's been a few of those, but... In the past, they'd have been 100 pointers, and we've made us competitive against every single side in the world. We've had chances to beat New Zealand, we've had chances to beat South Africa and Australia mm-hmm. consistently, and we have beaten South Africa a number of yeah. times over the last few years. We got the Australian monkey off the back and beaten them twice in the last year. He's done everything other than beat New Zealand and make it to a World Cup final, really. And part of the reason why I think he's been able to do that is he has identified players who are test match quality in terms of physicality, intensity and mentality and I'm talking about not just the players on the side right now, people like Jamie Roberts people like Dan Lydia, players who aren't necessarily in the side now Mike Phillips, but players who he looked at and went right, these guys are up for the fight and they can go toe to toe with the best in the world, and they did so what perhaps some of those players didn't necessarily have is the silky ball handling skills. Dan Lydia very much a, you know, would tackle for days and days and days, and it was so, so useful and effective to the side, but not a footballing flanker. Jamie Roberts, likewise, we all knew what he did, and it was hugely effective when it worked. What Pivak is, has got now is he's got to stand back and, and do exactly what Gatlin did. What are the weaknesses of the player, the player base I have here? What are the strengths? Can I play the style of rugby that I want to play? And I think mm. one of those big things is going to be looking at those next generation of players coming through and seeing, right, well, do I have in the backs and the forwards the kind of players who are capable yeah. of doing this? And the, one of the, I suppose, what sums up Gatland really is the is what he did with Warburton, isn't it? Picking picking Warburton over Tipperick mm. <clears throat> when Tipperick could do everything. He was chipping play. He was, yeah, you know, he's slotting at ten. He was in the centre. He was putting. You know, grubber kicks through, chipping over the top, and he kept on picking Warburton. Warburton was doing the non-flashy stuff, but what he what he was good at was the best, the very best in the world. And he kept on, he kept with him, didn't he? And built built the side around him when we had a guy that was just literally running rings around players for fun. Yeah, but it's intensity, isn't it, at the highest level? And yeah. I I would have liked to go to that point quickly, even without dwelling on it too much. I'd have liked to see a bit more of Tipperick's. And Warburton six and seven. I would have, yeah, because I think that Tipperick is he's that good. I, I yeah, it's a I difficult agree. one for me. That's a di- weird analogy for me to say because Tipperick, I, I'm just he's just he's just he is he's like a shame really. Yeah. I don't think we'll see another player quite yeah, like yeah. him. But that's sort of you know you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, that. exactly. He, he, he you know what Warburton does. He wasn't playing many games club, but he just D- does. Sam, does Sam <laughs> Warburton have better better hands than Justin Tipperick? Of course he doesn't. Is he a better passing game? No. But what he does, and I'm not saying Tipperick doesn't have this, but what Gatlin really saw in Warburton, and look, you get a feel for it when you hear Warburton when yeah. he chatted when he chatted to us. Intensity, right? This sense of belief and this sense of hard work and ability to go out and, and get right to that next level. Alan Jones, we know, has it. I'm, and I'm not for one minute saying Tipperick doesn't have it because, like I say, I would like to see him at six and seven. But that is why. Warburton got the nod under under Gatland in those big games because he wanted to build a side around this guy and the example that he led and the, and that level of intensity. Yeah. And he also looks at the, the the one 
the one job that, that, that Warburton could do. Yeah. He, could, he could do better than anybody else. And then he, he then built the back row around that. Yeah. So then Lydia came in, yeah. those chopped tackles. Yeah. He wasn't going to be offloading. He, you know, he, he developed that a little bit later on, didn't he? But he was doing those tackles and there was a massive reassuring presence because we knew what he did and everyone knows exactly what they need to do. And it, he just he picks up on the yeah, he picks up on the player. Then you look at Hadley Parks, what he's you know what he's done with him, yeah. and again it just works, doesn't it? He just breaks everything down. There are there are more skillful players than Hadley Parks, but he's so there's a presence there that without him in in, in the centre we don't feel quite right. And we've seen that through this campaign when he's wrapped up, he's not he's not mm. he's not fully fit. No, I don't think. But, he is. but still, we've gone to him. Right, I think. We're going to have to move on, but we're going to talk about Wales just a bit towards the end and have a look ahead to that game against New Zealand. But there was one almighty great upset this weekend, a side that put in a performance that no one expected and has sent shockwaves throughout the entire rugby world. That is, of course, the Dragons win. Um, yeah, sadly we haven't got time to, to dwell on that. Although encouraging signs at the Dragons. Look, I'm talking about this this England performance. Hats off, right? For me, you know it pains me to say it, but I can appreciate good rugby when it's played, and that is one of the greatest World Cup performances I've ever seen. Actually, it's right up there with France's second half against New Zealand in '99. As an all-round performance, it's better than that. It's up there with. With with the biggest and the best shocks that you've ever seen in in Rugby World Cup, I thought they were they were phenomenal. Yeah, they were frighteningly good, weren't they? It was, yeah, the complete complete performance, really. Outstanding. No one bosses they, the All Blacks like that. They they just don't. They schooled them, didn't they? Mm. In every department, they made them look small. I thought they bullied them. Mm. And to think as well that the All Blacks, they bullied them, but also England were very, very smart with the way in which they played. And they didn't just go with the physical game. They brought a massive physical edge, but they also were so dangerous, that was so quick. Mm. And we touched upon that, didn't we, last week, that if, that, you know, I felt that they needed to move them around a bit because that's where they had them as well as the physicality. And they did that. And I think that surprised that surprised New Zealand. They focused massively on England. I think England had a game plan that they they knew they were going to do, and they really, they really, they really did it well, didn't they? And it, it just it seemed they seemed to get more powerful when the bench yeah. came on. They added different dimensions, and it was like New Zealand were like, "Whoa, we we, we can't quite control this. What, what's going on now?" And it, yeah, it was just they could have won by. It could have been thirty-five, thirty-five-nil. Yeah, it could realistically, have been. that the only time you hear them like scoring was when was when Surveyor was diving over the line from a, from an overthrow. From that over, yeah. That otherwise, they were wrapped up. I, their defence was phenomenal. It's ferocious, and wasn't it? The the two the twin fetchers of of Underhill and and Curry. Curry. I know Curry kind of tends to take the headlines a bit because of his his ability over the ball, but. I mean, we've, we've obviously watched Sam Underhill play a lot because he was at the Ospreys for, uh, for a couple of seasons. But my God, he is freakishly strong. And he is immense over the ball. Those hits, the, the one on Barrett yeah, that was, was absolutely massive. He tanked hit. someone else just before that. He's, you know, to watch players like Retallick and 
and Whitelock getting smashed back in the tackle just does not happen very often. And those boys, Itoji, Tuolangi, you know, they even players who, if I'm honest, I'm not the biggest fan of. As I, as you know, as I've said before, I, I've never been a massive Ben Youngs Ben Youngs fan. Thought he had a very good game, solid, very good game. George Ford, I, you know, as you've you've been a big fan of it last week. You said he's the best ten on the planet or something. But my guy justified best, his selection. Yeah, best ten to my I, I, I wanted I wanted them to, I wanted them to play him, didn't mm. I? In that, in that game, and I I probably you were right. I probably would make well potentially make a change for. For, for next week for for England, that's the ability they 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 can do that. Can't yeah. they? Can chop and change, and suddenly they they've got they've got so many different players and strengths that it, it's it's frightening. Really, uh, the, the 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 back row. We always talk about the back row. We knew the Sam Underhill from from watching him at Bajen, then to to the Ospreys. The moment he said, "I'm a you know I'm going to be playing for England," I I, I felt oh dear, this is. Well, we said we said this before. I mean, they've got they've got they've got someone yeah. they've got someone really special because when he was at the Ospreys, he was putting in some massive hits, wasn't he? Anyway? Oh yeah, and it looked so good over the ball, which is where England had struggled the last couple of years. England yeah. historically had had under under Lancaster, they'd had the, you know the six and a halves, the Haskells, the Robshaws, same under the start of the Eddie Jones era. And then yeah, it was, when it? he got underhill, you thought right, they've they've got it right here. And then he suffered quite a lot with injury. Curry is only twenty years old, which is just—he's just, he's, he's he's just a fine player, isn't he? Oh, he's—they're they're both superb, and yeah, it's—it's it's pretty ominous, I would say. And whatever happens, and whatever you think about him, Eddie Jones's record in World Cups is absolutely incredible, isn't it? You know, finally, finally, in 03 as yeah. Australia coach uh, on the winning—the winning coaching team in South Africa in 07. The Japan win over South Africa in 2015, and now he's he's put in, he's masterminded this performance and potentially a, a World Cup win. Yeah, loads of the things as well that he was saying before before the World Cup started have started to ring true as well. And you think, oh no. That said, I... right? Yeah, I have a sneaking suspicion that South Africa are going to give him a damn good game. Yeah, and I think it suits them to play to play the All Blacks with that amazing blitz game more than it does South Africa because we know what South Africa are going to do they are going to kick the leather off the ball and if there is any small weakness in this England side I know I'm, I'm waxing lyrical here and it's based on yesterday's performance and I was probably still a little bit unsold after the Australia performance because I wasn't sure whether it was just Australia's naivety in the game but this England side looks you know no one plays like that against the All Blacks as a, as a bit of a fluke the only kind of slight chinks in the armour is I'm still not convinced Daly is a fullback, and if he looks again, as I said, big fan of his, but I think he's very much yeah. more a winger. Yeah. Faftaclet plays, kicks those balls up, puts puts England under a load of pressure. Pollard does the same, and it's not quite the same game all of a sudden. And those boys at, at the breakdown, as as incredible as both those flankers are, and Zatoji is over the ball. South Africa have got some massive forwards that are just going to go steaming into yeah. them. And when you've got the likes of Etzebet and Vermeulen cleaning out, Peter Steff de Toy cleaning people out, if they don't get that ability on there, they're, they're not as flash aside as the All Blacks, they're not as eye catching as England the other day, but they are a bloody hard team to beat. They, I totally agree with you. There's definitely a game plan that South Africa can, uh, you know, can, can go out and, and cause 
England real trouble. Yeah, and it is the aerial bombs, isn't it? Left, far left, far right, and right down the middle of the mm. park. Just literally put that ball up every single time and then have this massive Slavkin wave coming forward and they'll be levelling everything, take the aggression up, you know, really ramp it right up. And England are, it's like anything, isn't it? Any, any side are difficult, a different going backwards. Mm. But it, it, it's easy to look at it now and think, oh, England got this. You know, they're, they're just a far superior side. They are a superior side, actually. But... South Africa, if they get their game plan right, can win it. I think they can. And World Cup finals can be cagey affairs because there is so much on the line. If England had gone out and put and thrown everything at New Zealand with that slightly riskier game plan, you know, if they just sent players charging up and New Zealand had cut them open on a few occasions, people would have said, you know what, amazing performance. They gave them a damn good run for the money. They've lost in the semi-finals. No disgrace to that. They've now got to back it up in the final because once you're there, it, it would you know it would feel like a lost opportunity for them if they weren't able to take home the silverware, and that can do funny things to people. Mm. It can become if it becomes an arm wrestle that will suit South Africa, and they will you know they've, they've well, it, yeah if it is an arm wrestle they they are they're the best at mm. arm wrestling aren't they really yeah especially when they can bring on that that second pack that is just. In, in the loose, they're so dominant. They're right nuisance, aren't they? You know, low, you know, low made a big impact when he... Would you he, be tempted to start him? I would be. I would be tempted to start him against England, yeah. I was thinking that. thinking that I mean, today. The thing is, the natural position to look at and say, well, you start him instead of Khaleesi. But Khaleesi's the captain. So that's a very difficult thing to do going into a World Cup final. It is, but if it's the right call, the call's got to be... The call's got to be made, isn't it? And they, yeah, England need to be need to be practicing their taking their bombs and their organisation. I think <laughs> literally all of this week, mm-hmm. and Pollard just needs to be wrapped up. And you know that when there's a when there's a kick for the post, he's not going to miss, is he? He's got a big, big boot on him. He has got a big boots on him, and to be honest. He had looked a bit shaky earlier on in the tournament, and he certainly didn't today. No, he sort it's like everyone right through the middle, and you can't you can't complain. He about sorted it. that out as well. He, he also, you know, he didn't really he kicked everything, didn't he? Mm. Apart from that one time when he had the little run, he's, he causes damage when he runs forward as well because he's such a big lump. And he's you can see when he talks, he's he's smart, isn't it? Yeah. He's he's he's, he's intellectually he's a bright guy. Um, I it's going to be a real match. That quick prediction. South Africa by five. I was going to South Africa by four. I, really? I, I, I hope we're right. Yeah. I, I, you know, look, I might well be wrong and I might go out and yeah. do it. And if they do, I think they, they could dominate yeah, the world the game they, for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they're, they're looking, you know, when you look at the club game, you look yeah. at everything they've got. They've got more resources than anyone else, more have, players yeah. than anyone else. I mean, you could say New Zealand, New Zealand might be, you know, petering away a little bit. England just going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. The club, the club scenes in, in a, you know, in a, well, every club's every mm. club sides are in a little bit of a predicament at the moment, aren't they? On the on the financial side, but they are they're better than anyone else. So, yeah, it's just going to go from strength to strength, I think, for them. It is, and very quickly to finish, Dan, we've still got this game against New Zealand next week. I don't really fancy playing New Zealand when they're they've just been handed their ass on a plate by England. They're going to want to lay down a bit of a marker, and we're ripped to shreds with injuries. What do you do selecting this selecting this side? 
I think realistically you've got to look at, and as much as it might be a painful way to finish, I'd be looking at, uh, you know, taking out John Fox out of the equation or taking Hadley Parks out of the equation. These players have been carrying knocks. You can't ask them to go into battle for a third and a meaningless third and fourth place playoff. Really. Yeah, I think we 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 ring the changes. Anybody that's carrying any sort of a knock just doesn't feature, mm. and we, you know, we reward the players that have been that have been in and around the squad. Let them go out, put a marker down for the for the Six Nations, and just really will on the boys really. And you know, yeah, it'd be it'd be absolutely incredible if we win, wouldn't it? But I think this is there's more to this game than than looking at it purely as we. It's, it's not a must-win game. I think it's a uh, the game needs to be looked at for sort of building towards the future and almost having it like as an inclusive, mm. um, like an inclusive exercise really, as opposed to an exclusive one and. And, and maybe you know risking players because there's no point in that, is there really? Yeah. No, I, I get that, and it, it might be a painful one to watch because you don't want to see a side like the, the side we put out against Uruguay take the field and get hammered by the All Blacks. But at the same time, I think you just got to look at some of those key players who are carrying knocks and say, let's take them out of the firing line and give some of the others a chance. I'd be looking at a bit of a mixed match squad but haven't got time to go into that now we will be back next week to review all of that and review the world cup as a whole we'll know who's won the damn thing by then sadly it's not going to be wales but it's been a fantastic roller coaster and uh yeah i suppose here to play us out we've got to play thank you for the days haven't we really really have yeah thanks for listening we'll be back to chat rugby with you very very soon Thank you for the days Those endless days, those sacred days you gave me I'm thinking of the days Sports Social Podcast Network